Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell, where we have real conversations about what it takes to dive deep into the unique journey of healing. Health is not a win-lose game. Join us and our amazing guests to explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health. So grab a drink, go for a walk, get cozy, and let's peel the onion. Today on Peeling the Onion Podcast, we have Marina Buskov. She is a functional medicine pharmacist, mental fitness and health coach, herbal educator, and lifelong learner of the healing arts. She is the creator of Build Your Holistic Health Herbal Practice course, mentoring other healthcare professionals and clinical herbal, as well as business skills. She is also a functional medicine trained pharmacist as part of the Farm to Table telehealth platform and the host of the Holistic Pharmacy podcast. Marina guides practitioners to rediscover their passion for medicine by expanding their mind and clinical skills to include natural, holistic, and alternative and herbal medicine from which conventional pharmacy practice originated. She believes in honoring plants as food and medicine for sustainable and sovereign health. When she's not working or studying, Marina likes to dance, paint, and tinker with various concoctions, everything from tea and herbal blends to cooking and DIY projects. She lives with her husband and two adorable kiddos and two mischievous kitties in New York City. Yeah, so Marina helps us talk about how to get out of the black and white thinking of the pharmaceutical world versus the herbalism world and how we need to think about a reframe our healing process, that it can be a both and, and we can think about how to support our families and through their process as well, to step back, to take a deeper look at the choices we are making with our doctor and outside of the doctor's office. So join us. We're so delighted to have Marina with us today. Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast, guys. Super jazzed because today we're talking about functional pharmacy. Now, functional pharmacy, I had no idea what that was until about three years ago. And I started functional medicine school and I was like, what? This is a thing. (laughs) So what is it? But also, you know, the roots of herbal medicine. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about herbalism um, on this podcast before, um, but I'm super excited to have my friend Marina Buskov here to talk about functional pharmacy, herbal medicine, making informed decisions and a little bit of this, that and everything in between. So welcome to the show. Welcome, Marina. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, we're so glad to have you. I think what I think what you're doing in terms of training other practitioners, but also educating the masses about how we can rethink herbs and just their power and and ultimately our body's, you know, core and and fervent fire to just heal itself if given the right support outside of pharmaceuticals is is such a gift. So happy to have you and I love this conversation. Can you give us some sense for how you got into pharmaceuticals? And I, cause I, because you've been to pharmacy, like you are a pharmacist proper. Pharmacy. Yeah. And so talk to us about your journey a little bit. Tell us how how you got here. Yeah. So I came to America when I was nine years old from Ukraine and my parents are both chemists, biologists, So as I was progressing through the school system here, I really found myself liking chemistry as well. 
Um, biology, not so much, interestingly, but um, I loved physics. I loved all the hard sciences. So, and I, I was, you know, really proficient in them. So my dad one day just said, oh, you know, we're looking at careers. Why don't we check out pharmacy? You know, it's high paying and it incorporates the sciences that you like, you know, and, and he's all about chemistry too. He used to be a chemistry teacher actually. Mm. So I was like, okay, I guess I can check it out. And when it came time to apply for college, some of my physics teachers were like, what are you going to do? Count pills? Like, why are you applying there? But um, I decided living in New York, there were only two schools at the time um, that had the program and they had one of them had a zero through six program, meaning once you got in, you don't have to take the PCAT and you could just stay the whole time and you get your PharmD. Mm -hmm. So I decided to just apply and see what happens because I could always, you know, decide not to go. Um, and then once I got into both of them, I decided I'll go through the zero to six one because uh, I also had a better scholarship deal. And if I don't like it, I could always leave. So long story short, I ended up doing the whole thing, graduating. I loved everything. But then after I graduated, I sort of had like a crisis of faith in it. Mm. What was that crisis? What happened? Well, it's sort of uh, when it came time to actually apply for jobs or residencies or fellowships, I found myself like super nervous and stressed. And I was just a wreck. Um, and I was just seeing like all my classmates being super excited about it. And I should have been excited, but I just found myself like super depressed and anxious instead. So I actually talked to one of my professors whom I really respected. And she actually taught a complimentary and alternative medicine class, an elective class that I took. So I, I came to her, kind of sought guidance, and she sort of gave me the permission slip that if I'm not resonating with any of the paths, I could just talk to other people who are non-traditional, even though I don't even like that term, because I think pharmacy, if anything, is the more conventional path. And let's say more natural ways are the more traditional ones. But she essentially connected me with another student. And that student was a year ahead of me and she was doing some interesting things. So she got a health coaching certification. And then I, another student that I'm still connected to as well, another alumni, was head of our student club for complementary and herbal and alternative medicine. So I found myself oh. drawn and pulled to those kind of leaders. Um, and the fact that they were also pharmacists and promoting it gave me that permission that, hey, I could also explore some of this stuff. Awesome. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like all these ding, ding, dings along the way, right? Just following your gut. I mean, were you scared? Were you scared to tell your parents? Were you scared that like you would be ostracized somehow? Or did you feel like seeing these people or gave you some confidence that you were like you had options to be employed and make a living? Yeah, it's both. Uh, I think I'm still sort of scared <laughs> at times, you know, and, and going through grows, uh, growing phases and evolution, you know, every single step of the way is like, something new to be afraid of. But um, yeah, in the beginning, I think it was really, really important that I see those role models mm -hmm. and give myself that permission to at least explore it. And for a long time, I was doing it part-time. So I had a job lined up. Uh, I decided to not take a medical writing fellowship, which I was offered. 
because I, I realized I would just probably be miserable, even though it looked good. And so I started making choices that instead of looking good, like actually felt good. And one of my jobs in retail that I was counting on fell through, but I found another job. And before the show, we were talking about Brighton Beach and um, I, I got a job at Brighton Beach. And I remember myself saying when I was a little younger that I want to one day work in a pharmacy there. So it kind of just lined up. And the reason I wanted to work in a pharmacy there is because my culture, as I mentioned, is from those Slavic roots. And we do incorporate a lot of herbal and natural medicine in those pharmacies. Mm -hmm. So I got to be in that space. Awesome. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more? Because, and for those of you guys listening, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. And we have lots of different kinds of people that, you know, listen to this show. But, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about like, the history of herbal medicine and how that got into the history and the roots of pharmaceuticals and sort of, you know, even like, you know, break it apart for us a little bit, because I think a lot of people don't, they don't know, they don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. I actually did a webinar for the American Herbalist Guild recently on this very topic. And really the roots of herbalism are intertwined all along the way of the evolution of medicine. So from early, early, ancient, prehistoric times, right before we even were the homo sapiens species, we had lots of animals, including what became the human animal, looking to plants and the outside natural world for shelter, for food, for medicine, for everything. So we found a lot of evidence, you know, just looking at our roots of people having different spiritual and medicinal uses of plants. Uh, we also see things like surgery. We might think it's a modern thing, but it actually goes back to ancient Egypt for cancer of the breast. Cancer is also not modern. So there's a lot of overlap, but of course, as the evolution went on for medicine, we got more and more advanced. We got more and more technology. We learned more and more um, about extractions, right? And a more like reductionist approach. So instead of just using the whole food and the whole plant, we had the industrial revolution, which really allowed us to just choose and pick which parts we thought were quote unquote good or the best parts and then just leave the rest. But what we're finding now is that's just simply not true because nature actually does know best. There's an intelligent design of why there's synergy between the all the little parts of each plant. And also there should be symbiosis across our ecosystems. But now we're like that dominant force that just says, okay, here, here's this, here's that. We um, are acting in an unsustainable fashion by drawing on whatever we feel is best. But the fact of science is that although it observes natural phenomena, it doesn't always understand until later on and it's constantly questioned and disproven. And so I don't think we should be as dogmatic and indoctrinated and we should be looking historically at what worked and and utilizing more of that because it's actually more sustainable. So hopefully this answered the question. I don't even know. <laughs> no, I think that's a really great, you know, starting off point. And, you know, I, I think it's also, you know, it's like everything we need is around us. I was, you know, like if we just pause and we like look and we like sit with nature, it's like everything we need to heal ourselves, to feed ourselves, like it's all around us 
all the time, right? Um, and there's there's this innate, unfortunately, because of the industrial revolution, right? There's this innate sense that that's not enough, that that's just, you know, yeah. we know better, science knows better, technology knows better, you know, and, you know, money, expertise, all these things that the modern material world has has produced no like is is better for us um and what i hear you saying is that actually we've our species is known you know animals also still know intuitively i mean just look at the the domestic cat if it's allowed to go outside it's going to chew on some grass because its stomach is upset and it needs to vomit and get rid of that thing and you know it's such a simple it's such a simple thing and that's where i think you know in this journey that all of us are on as we peel back the onion, as we figure out our health journey, just understanding those those intuitive hits and allowing our body to to do its own work is the magic. And yeah, and what you're doing is sort of processizing that side instead. Can you how do you how do you talk to people who you were working with? I, mean, I know you teach other herbalists, but you but you're also working with clients too, right, Marina? Yeah, I do a whole bunch of things. So I am part of a functional pharmacy, as Shell mentioned, team. And we're actually a collaborative practice with lots of other practitioners, like doctors and nurse practitioners and other coaches as well. So um, it's a telehealth platform and we're trying to go national. And I think we have a lot of the states already. And so we're trying to use whatever healthcare licenses we have or health coaching certifications and serve people in this collaborative way so that everybody stays within their expertise and scope of practice. It is currently cash-based, but that's, that's one of the avenues I work with clients. And another way that I've been able to incorporate both in my teaching and mentorship and with clients is... Uh, mental fitness coaching through Mm. positive intelligence. Uh, And then the herbal piece is really, I feel very much misunderstood by both professionals and lay people, so to speak. So um, I do think there's a lot of education that we still need to do. Yeah. So what are the misnomers? Like, where do you feel like the big gaps are? Like, you know, if you could nugget it down into a handful of issues. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of myths. Um, You know, there's a lot of extremes. And I think anytime there's an extreme view, it's probably not 100% right. So Mm -hmm. there's either the view that herbal medicine is always safe, which is not true, or the the other uh, extreme, it's never safe, Mm -hmm. or that there's no um, standardization, and that's a bad thing, right? Um, So there's all these questions of, how do we know that it's safe and effective, right? And how do we trust and what evidence do we have of why we should do this with confidence and how do we gain skill sets and confidence? So there's like a lot of, you know, folk tale, right? Or folklore Mm -hmm. about, you know, this this is what um, you should do, but then there's no randomized controlled trial that tested that exact plant for, you know, that exact indication and there's no way there's really actually it's really difficult to get a standardized dose and we're very used to having an exact protocol an exact you know treatment ladder cascade and if this then that and like very top down 
hierarchical approach to what we can prescribe or recommend for specific cases. So uh, we don't have that art of like matching a person and whatever health issue they have and a plant. And that's the art of herbalism. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying that you you don't have that available to you, or is that the perception that you don't have it available to you? So the first parts were the perceptions, right? right. Always, always this or always that. Um, the second part is actually true: the yeah. fact that there, it's very difficult to standardize herbalism, yeah. you know, and right. what that makes it feel unsafe with our current practice guidelines or in, indoctrination that. We need exact doses and we need exact parameters. And we can't really do that with herbalism because there's so many factors and confounding variables. It's not a manufacturing plant. It's a plant that grows in nature. So there's going to be variability in the soil and in the conditions that it's exposed to. And even now with the cannabis industry, which is a whole lot of political stuff there as well, whether it's medicinal and whether it's pharmaceuticalized now, and finally, you know, kind of accepted. So um, even if you try to grow plant in controlled environments, there's still going to be things that you can't control for. So that's, you know, what's seen as a problem by the Western eyes and by the pharmaceutical profession and all, you know, medical profession. But uh, in reality, because of the safety window, a whole plant actually has a much wider therapeutic index. And so the safety is less of an issue than what is considered by the Western world. So from my perspective, as long as it's safe, right, we can um, we can feel safe using it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. And how do you, do you, when you meet people coming in your door, I mean, I imagine they're already at this point where, they're seeking alternatives or are you having to convince people and have that conversation with them? (laughs) What do you experience from the consumer side of it? Yeah, I think both. I've seen Mm -hmm. both ways. I mean, from, from the perspective of like, how are they finding me? There is a level of alignment there already initially, uh, but I am seeing that some people are just not open, you know, to herbals in any various forms, or some people will take a supplement, but not a tincture, or some people will only want to focus on diet and not even include any like quote unquote herbals. So it comes down, I think, to convenience and actually being able to implement it and incorporate it into your daily life. Because again, why we even have the pharmaceutical industry and rely on it so heavily is because it's convenient. Like, let's face it. I mean, you don't have to go and sit there and make a poultice and then like walk around with this poultice or like lay down for a week and change poultices. Like (laughs) it's much more easy to put on a cream, you know, and take it in your bag and go to work and continue putting it on. If you have to do it multiple times a day or take, you know, uh, a capsule or a pill or, you know, whatever, plants are much more messy and they take longer and, you know, they may inconvenience you because you have to stay home, you know, and and you can't go out into the world and just pop a pill. So um, it is, it is much more convenient. And I believe that's one of the biggest things that we're so used to having this modern lifestyle of like convenience over everything else. That's our biggest value. 
Yes. Fast culture, right? Fast food, fast. Everything's fast, right? It's like smart this, smart that. And it's like, slow your roll, everybody. Like, like slow your roll. It's funny. I bought a house this year and everything in the house was like smart set up. And it was the first thing I changed on the whole house where I was like, and no, we don't need all this smart everything. Like we exist. We we're meant to, you know, we're meant to also do things slow, right? And everything fast is good. And I think you nail a lot of things also, which is like, we have to stay away from black and white thinking. There's a lot of grayscale and the mist of everything. You know, I have the same situation with, um, you know, clients and like, you know, using homeopathy or, you know, bringing in herbalism or bringing in, you know, things. And I have to tell, you know, remind all my own clients, like, look, healing is slow. It doesn't just, you know, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't just happen fast and, you know, real healing is deep and it's a mindfulness and it's a, you know, like, yes, antibiotics can be life-saving, you know, but there's also a whole other end of those that wipes out the whole gut microbiome. And so, you know, we have to, there's checks and balances a little bit of like weighing things out. So I'm really glad that you kind of point us toward that, towards that. So like, how should, what, how can we all make the pivot towards maybe making, you know, bringing herbalism in, making better choices for, you know, the things we're choosing to put in our bodies and so forth? Yeah, I think I reflect on this a lot and it really comes down to what is a well-established guideline in Western medicine, just like everywhere else, is risk versus benefit, right? So you have to weigh where this lands as far as the seriousness of what you're dealing with and how acute it is and how persistent it is and really take it one step at a time because you can't predict, right, what is going to be the cascade, you know, of every single step that happens. So really just having that mindset of taking it one step at a time and dealing with the most acute stuff first and seeing which approach is going to lead to the most risk versus the most benefit Mm -hmm. at any given time. And also not having that um, exclusive, mutually exclusive mindset either, right? Like, oh, if we take an antibiotic, then we're not going to do anything natural. You can do both, right? You can take probiotic, you can support somebody's microbiome because there is no medication, pharmaceutically speaking, that can help with the microbiome. So you can go to the natural world for that. So you you can supplement them together. Yeah, absolutely. I think of this, we have talked about this a lot on the show of like, when you're, especially when you're dealing with a health crisis, but, or for just trying to get to the deeper root of what are some of your health issues is like building a team, you know, a, a whole support network around yourself. So, you know, a lot of times Cheryl and I've talked about this, like we're going to need a doctor, you know, allopathic on our team, whether it's a specialist or just our, our GP and to have somebody there who can run blood, blood work and help us and help support us understanding where our levels are. And if we are making changes with among all the other things that we're doing, whether it's herbal, whether it's, you know, acupuncture and, and getting massages and, and treatments and working with a physical therapist or, you know, whatever your, your case is, but just having this, like, you know, team of and and broadening you know your toolkit which is what i hear you saying honestly i think that's so key of like you know we're going to 
you know, imagining traveling abroad into a place that doesn't have a ton of access to medicine. And in in my toolkit, certainly would be some antibiotics if I could get a hold of them, you know, to travel with, but and also just a whole slew of, of other herbal options to kind of help support, you know, what are the little bugs or microbes or cuts and scrapes that might I like I I might have to deal with along the way. So that's how that's that's a nice analogy, I think, to sort of thinking about all the the expertise around us um, that we ha- that we can have access to. I, I would love to talk about actually some of the like key, I guess, are, and I'm I'm going to lean on you for this, Marina. But like, can you walk us through some of the major um, symptomatic, you know, health issues? Or that that you really see herbalism working in tandem with allopathic well, or even even some of the cases that you would wish you would wish we would just use herbalism for and not deal with the farm like the pharma D on. Because I, I I just want to say this for myself. I have a thyroid issue, and I had to make a choice. Um, and I I I chose pharma D. I mean, I started with synthroid, but I, I went with a more um, a different type of thyroid medication that kind of helps the broader spectrum of the whole thyroid uh, cascade. And much to the chagrin of my endocrinologist who wanted me on that synthroid because it was so much more regulated, but it, it, it worked with my body. We, we tracked my, my symptoms. I got support on the mineral level to help make sure that my thyroid was functioning optimally and dealt with my lifestyle issues around, you know, why my thyroid was out of whack. So I'm just saying like that, that's just one example of tandem. What do you want us to work with herbalism more with? Like, so I'm in a unique position because I've seen how many prescriptions, right. I'm dispensing on a daily basis in the retail setting and what people are taking in tandem and I appreciate you sharing your example because I think it sheds some insight into what regular people every day are asking themselves, like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the best thing for myself? Right. So from my perspective, to touch on your first point of an interdisciplinary team, I think it's so important that even if one person can't get all the accolades, right? MD, like ND, like everything, herbalist, uh, acupuncturist, like it's really, really difficult to keep training yourself in all these tools. But at least if we have the awareness of other people in our network that we could lean on and have the client choose what resonates with them. And again, it comes with informed consent and education first, because if the person, the patient, if they don't know this is out there, and if we're not educating them as providers, what else is out there, then, you know, they're going to Google, they're going to Instagram, they're going to their friends, and it's a not one size fits all. So if something is working for you and your thyroid doesn't mean that it's going to be the same scenario for somebody else with the same exact diagnosis. So we have to consider, you know, the psychosomatics and the value system of the person and how willing they are. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of factors. Um, and again, like if somebody is really motivated to put all those minerals in their diet, right. One way or another, and then somebody doesn't even know that that's a factor and the doctor is not educating them, then it just leaves a lot of gaps that we mentioned before. And so from my perspective, what I felt really bad and guilty about when I saw 
was like the chronic conditions, right? So for acute things, as I mentioned, I do think there is a role for pharmaceuticals and I've leaned on them. I've had to, you know, unfortunately, um, in certain emergency cases for myself or my family. And I just want to say there is no judgment or if you didn't know better before and now you want to do better, you know, we're, we always have that option available to us. So it's not about beating yourself up or judging yourself or others, but it's about, you know, first getting that education so that then you can make the best choice as you go along. And as new information emerges or new guidance comes along, then you can choose differently at any point. So for those chronic conditions where I see people, you know, they're taking one drug for their, you know, heart disease, or maybe even two or three drugs for their heart disease, and then cholesterol, and then and then they want to treat a side effect of something with another drug. And so it becomes like um, polypharmacy is what we call it. And we're not supposed to do things that way. And there's a lot of medication therapy management programs and insurance policies around preventing this. But unfortunately, it does happen all the time when doctors don't talk to each other. They prescribe, you know, one specialist prescribes this and another pre specialist prescribes that. And then before you know it, there's like 20 different meds on board from a few different providers and they don't talk to each other. And they also like what I see my fellow pharmacists going through is like our role is really the gatekeeper and making sure that things don't interact and mm -hmm. that the person is safe first and foremost. But we're not really considered as such, you know, like we're just thrown around doctors, you know, don't really want to talk to us and don't really consider in many settings, you know. Some cute settings do value their pharmacists, I'll say that. But in retail, a lot of it is like very, very difficult to get in touch with providers and to educate providers. And, you know, we're not really seen as the drug experts that we're supposed to be seen as, which we are. Yeah. Um, and, and so for us, I think deprescribing is the next best thing that we mm -hmm. should start getting involved in. And I see some settings getting involved in that with functional medicine and ambulatory care pharmacists and lifestyle medicine pharmacists and health coaches even who may or may not be pharmacists, but educating themselves on drugs and what they could start a communication with providers on. So I think it's really important because again, um, a doctor may only take like two or three or four credits in nutrition or other supportive therapies and drug therapies, like the number one, right? Mm -hmm. Even though lifestyle therapy should be number one and ongoing, even if you're on a drug. So yes. there, yeah, there's just a lot of things I wish I could, you know, educate people on, like with all this slew of ADHD and all these mm. kids on all these medicines. Yeah and a lot of birth control and a lot of dermatology products. And, the, you know, I feel so guilty, especially for the younger generation that they, you know, are diagnosed with all of these nervous system disorders and depression and anxiety, and also taking, you know, something to sleep, something for their anxiety, something then for their alertness the next day. Wow. Yeah. It becomes just, yeah. I can't believe these young adults, you know, or teenagers or even younger children are taking so many pharmaceuticals already and what's going to happen when they become tolerant. And a lot of these are controlled substances. So there's a stigma for that as well. And we could be resourcing these children so much better. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're really nailing to that individualized medicine is key for everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but also that informed consent is asking questions. And I think it's you, you bring up a really good point. And actually last weekend I was um, visiting my in-laws and my father-in-law is um, going through some cancer treatments. Um, and you know, and we're also working on lifestyle change. We're also using some supplements and we're also using, you know, walks and water and just like basic things. But I sent Nancy a photo and I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And Ooh. it was a table. I went through his entire cabinet an entire table full of Ugh. pharmaceuticals, yeah. all different doctors, things that like, you know, I was like, why do you have two bottles of shingles antivirals? And he's like, in case I get the shingles. And I was like, did you have the shingles? <laughs> he's like, no. But I was like, you know, and they came from two different doctors. Like, you know, and it was like, and mm. I was going through everything. And I mean, and we're talking fentanyl and oxycodone and like pain drugs, mm-hmm. like real <laughs> narcotics and all kinds of stuff. And I went through everything. I mean, and I probably got rid of 35, 40 bottles of pharmaceuticals alone. Wow. Where I was like, because he was getting everything confused. And I was like, you could overdose yeah, and, <laughs> and die because there's so much stuff here. And I mean, we pared it down to like the five things that he is on that needs he needs to be on for the moment. And then his six supplements, you know, his probiotic and like his magnesium, just basic things and put everything in a special box. We got rid of anything we did not need, mm. you know? And then also, you know, the doctors keep sending him home with Ensure, which I was like, this is corn syrup and sugar and food dye and you have cancer. And, you know, right. and I threw it all away and we got him a good, natural, clean, dye-free nutritional drink. We call it the elephant because mm. Kate, there's a company called Kate Farms <laughs> and they do actually really amazing tube feeds and mm. nutritional-based beverages and high caloric, but like real food-based. And uh, because their logo is an elephant, now they just call it the elephant. He's like, I had an elephant. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I'm glad you had an elephant. But like that we can do things in tandem. And also that informed choice and making mm-hmm. good informed decisions means you're getting pamphlets, you're reading labels, you're asking questions and being allowed to ask those questions. And, um, right you know, how fundamental it is for all of us. You know, I'm constantly telling my father-in-law, when you go into the doctor, ask them what everything is before they give it to you. Yeah. And what it's for, like, what are we doing it for? What's the balance of all of it? I also feel like, you know, I, (laughs) I have started with, um, I had started with, with working with an herbalist and she asked me to bring all of my supplements and everything that I was taking in and so that and so we could have an active conversation about it and it's so impactful that the picture that Cheryl shared with me is just so it just drives it home right I mean that it, it was a it was just a lot and he doesn't know what he's what it's nope. really all for and yeah no I'm it's scary honestly and I, I'm with you Marina I think we're we're are, you know, I am a parent of a seven-year-old. So many parents out there are panicking. You know, their kids are struggling. 
they, you know, the suicide rates are up. It's an, it's terrifying. They want their kid to do well at school. They want them to socialize well. They want them to focus and feel calm. But we are also, as parents, not necessarily doing the same thing, you know, to drive home. Hey, this is how we can better eat and better sleep and better exercise, you know. So it's a tricky thing. It's a, it, it's a cultural societal shift. And you know what? I want to say that the just the sheer fact that what you're doing right now of driving home this this functional pharmacy, and at the same time, you know, we're able to sort of talk about d- depression, anxiety, nervous system disorders so much more fluidly is also a counterbalance to it, right? There's some normalization of it, which I think with normalization, right, comes like the acceptance and the relaxation, and we're not going to hide and cover it up and want a quick, quick, quick pill to solve all the problems. So I don't know. I, I, I'll, be, I'll be an optimist <laughs> and hope that maybe these kids who are so drugged up are going to be like raising the middle finger eventually and being like, all y'all are crazy. Like, get me off of this stuff. And how do I, how do I unfurl what the, like, the damage has been done? I was on like, I, I went in in college. I was a freshman in college. And finally, I was a kid of the, you know, 80s. And I graduated high school, mid 90s. And I should have gotten it probably like an ADD diagnosis. Probably technically, I'm definitely ADD now. But anyway, the point is, I was on, I was just given, a, I had a 15 minute conversation with a psychiatrist who gave me Adderall at 25 milligrams of pop. Never said to me, hey, by the way, you probably shouldn't drink caffeine on this. And so I smoked so much pot just to get down from the Adderall that I was so jacked up on in the caffeine that I I was just, I was looped. And it was sort of exactly, I didn't I didn't have a downer in terms of a pill. I just chose my own, you know, in, in, in college. My apartment smelled like a, a big pile of bong water. But um, so anyway, the point is I, I'm just, we're, it was, I lost so much weight. I had amazing performance at school, but I was wasted otherwise. And um, anyway, my parents expressed a lot of concern. They're like, you don't look good. This is not good. This is not you. And um, and I was like, it's the drugs, mom. She said, but you need it. But you need it. You have this thing. It's a, it's a chemical imbalance. I'm like, Okay, well, let's let's start talking. I'm going to start cutting this thing in half and see how I feel. And then I'm going to start. And then I try to figure out, like, I don't need so much caffeine. And, I, you know, it was just, it was intuitive. And th- thankfully, I worked my way through it and got off of it and figured out that, like, running for me was really good. And getting good sleep and eating well all wound up, you know, ironing me out. But anyway, that's a long way of saying I'm going to be optimistic. I'm hoping that we're gonna like podcasts like like ours and your pharmacy and your work, Marina, are gonna help all of us and and our kids kind of find a balance. So, anyway, here here, <laughs> informed choice, informed choice. So, how would you encourage parents, adults, all of us, just to move forward? and making more informed decisions? I think medical choice, um, as kind of a phrase, has gotten very up. Uh, a lot of uh, traction in the last three years. I was like, how do I say this? Um, and so, you know, but really that's what it is, right? My body, my choice, my decisions, we're all unique in our bodies. I think we can all agree that 
people should be making the decisions that are best for them. Um, but do you have like, maybe like a top three tips or things that maybe people can take away with them, um, for thinking more about those medical decisions? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a pendulum, right? And we're swinging from like one side of the spectrum to another. And my hope too, is that it will eventually balance out. And the parents, I think, are in a tough situation because they have to make these decisions for uh, their child and their child is not sovereign and their child maybe doesn't yet know what's best for them. And the parent has to take on that burden that Mm -hmm. I have to decide. Um, And I do think that speaking out more about it, right? And just sharing our experiences and seeing, like you said, that it is normal. There is a spectrum to normal, quote unquote. It's not just, you know, we should be performing in this way or, you know, this is how everybody should be, you know, feeling and and acting at all times. And it is normal. Like part of my mental fitness coaching is about, saying, yes, we're all a mixed bag of positive and negative emotions. There are emotional charges and life is also, you know, positive and negative at different times. And that is normal, right? What's not normal is like you said, not acknowledging something that's true for you. So just acknowledging your emotion and how you're feeling at any given moment, if you're feeling good or feeling bad and sitting with that and sharing that with somebody else or resolving it in some way, but not denying that feeling, not repressing that feeling, I think is where we can start. And then like you have been saying, um, you know, asking the right questions, right? So instead of just accepting that patriarchal model of like, I'm the doctor and I know best, yes, you're very educated. I'm not saying anything about healthcare professionals. They know what they're doing. They also are trying their best based on their education for their patients but it is quite indoctrinated and there there's not enough emphasis on lifestyle and prevention. And I think, so the education piece is second. And the third thing is really realizing that because of that prevalence, right, of so many mental health disorders that we're seeing now, it's not just the chemical imbalance in their, you know, their or whoever's suffering um, everybody's brains at this point. It is a societal and a collective and environmental issue at this point. So when we're seeing the prevalence of something is so high or like diabetes, like it's not the person's fault at that point. At that point, it's like all the choices that we're making as a society because of convenience, because of, because of the industries and because of the fast pace and because the government is regulating things a certain way or not regulating things uh, a certain way. These are systemic issues. So we need to solve them as a system at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me, one of my favorite books is, um, it's called Freedom Medicine Words for Your Brave Revolution by um, Jaya John. I don't know if you guys have read it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually one of my favorite books. Not that that big of a read, um, but it really is about bringing clarity around our freedom, our medical choices, our, how we exist in the world, how we heal nature, how we heal, heal, you know, find healers, how we, you know, we go through this Mm -hmm. process and really how we take back kind of our, I want to say the system, like how we break up the system and rebuild it and take back, you know, sovereignty and 
all these different things. Um, so I, and I'll add that into our book club um, today as well, because it's a personal favorite read. And we're just so glad that you were here. How can we find you? Mm-hmm. How can people find you? How can we best support you and your work? Uh, thank you so much for having me here and allowing me to share my message. So you can find me on marinabooksof.com. You can also just find me by my name on all the socials. I'm there. And uh, I'm also going to be teaching at the Spirit Kindred Festival in Ithaca on September 7th through 10th. So if you are local, come check it out. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, yes. say hi to Brooklyn for us, Marina. Yes. <laughs> and before we pop off, we have um, our book club, guys. You can visit our website at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. Um, we have all of our book recs from um, all of our guests, from Nancy, from myself. Marina, do you have any fantastic books that you would like our listeners to check out? Yes, I will give you the names of two books. Uh, one I recently read that I highly recommend, Fast Like a Girl by Mindy Pelz. And the second one is one that I gift to all my students, which was written by Vanessa Chakor. It's called Awakening Artemis. And it's a beautiful story and herbal book all in one. Oh, awesome. awesome. I can't wait to check that out. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you're doing and being an advocate and, you know, being on the other side of that that pharmacy wall with with your head in this world of alternative and choice and and herbalism is is really nice and and refreshing so thank you for being with us marina it's been a pleasure thank you so much yes all right guys keep peeling that onion and we'll see you next time Thanks for joining us for another episode of Peeling the Onion Podcast. If we've inspired you to take the next step in your healing journey, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can also find us on Instagram and online at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. Music by Greg DeJazu and podcast production by Nova Media. Until next time, keep peeling the onion.